Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome to the Mr. Beacon podcast. Great to have you join us at the start of 2022. I just got back from CES and um, still trying to grasp this new Omicron reality that we're all wrestling with. I thought the show was good. There was like two thirds to one third of attendance, depending on where you were. Uh, the extra space, a little bit less chaos was uh, was much appreciated. And here at Williot, we've been trying to figure out, are we going to go to the National Retail Federation show in New York right into the eye of the Omicron storm? And we decided to go. So really looking forward to that. A little bit nervous, but uh, with uh, good masking discipline, I'm hopeful that uh, everyone's going to be safe. So uh, we've been busy. We've been busy on a whole range of things. We're about to launch our starter kit publicly. It's in a soft launch at the moment, and we are we're going to announce our version two platform. So that's by way of a bit of an excuse. We don't have a new interview for you today. We've actually got a ton of really good content that's going to be coming. So what we have done is something we've never done before, which is to go back to the vault and we've unearthed one of my favorite interviews of 2021, which was with Lucas Hansen, who's one of the leadership team at Cisco's DNA Spaces team. So this is a middleware platform that adds a ton of value um, and um, brokers some uh, location services, asset tracking services from third parties. Uh, so give it a listen. It will be your call as to whether you see this as lifting lots of boats or whether you think this is Cisco that is looking to get a slice of the action and uh, is not really improving things. I, I believe it's the former. You can decide and do uh, listen on to the second half of the show where we talk to Lucas a bit about how he got the job that he got and his career evolving from life in the military. I think it's one of the best of what Mr. Beacon has to offer. We look at the people behind the technology and hopefully brief you on stuff that you need to know in this in-depth interview format. So thanks so much for listening. The Mr. Beacon podcast is sponsored by Williot. Intelligence for everyday things, powered by IoT Pixels. 
Welcome to the Mr. Beacon podcast, the show for solution designers at the intersection of the digital and the physical. I am really pleased this week to have Lucas Hansen on the show from Cisco. Lucas, welcome. Thanks for having me, Steve. I'm super excited to be here. So Lucas, you are on the Cisco DNA Spaces team. Um, and I kind of spoiled my hook, which I was going to ask the audience, what is the biggest indoor location services platform in the industry? And obviously, uh, the answer is Cisco DNA Spaces. Cisco's massive. You have a huge amount of power. I think it's a real uh, interesting comment on this space that we work on that Cisco's decided to build the platform. So tell us, what is DNA Spaces? Sure, Steve. So you can think about DNA Spaces and maybe we zoom out to the, to the 30,000 foot level here. So at the core, we're an outcomes cloud, right? We support the line of business, uh, OT, you know, uh, uh, facilities. So, so all, we support them and IT to achieve business outcomes, right? Now we do this um, through really a, a great indoor location uh, or, or location cloud and an IoT services kind of portion of that, like marrying these two things together, both Wi-Fi and, and IoT, uh, and through you know uh, I'd say a, a very kind of robust and um, uh, focused partner ecosystem with devices and applications. So, but but at the core of it you know, we're trying to bridge this world between IT, line of business, OT, et cetera, so that like, you know, like you, I think you've said in the past, we can converge that, that physical and digital space to achieve uh, outcomes. And what are the um, features and functions of DNA spaces? It's, it's something that as a Cisco customer, I don't have to have. Is that correct? Uh, why would I want it? What would I do with it? Yeah. So let me divide this up in maybe two parts. Uh, I'll try to be concise and I may say this later on in the podcast and I may not be concise, but I, I apologize. <laughs> All right. So let's say one category is around the types of outcomes we're delivering. Okay. So there's kind of three, three items here to, to talk about. So the first one is around uh, location services. So this is the kind of traditional Wi-Fi type of services you may expect. And, and we marry this concept of back to business in that. Um, so think about, you know, using your access points as a sensor to understand behavior of people in the space. Uh, and then also using those access points as a way to bring folks back to business. So, you know, all the way from saying, and we have this set up in our single, like in Cisco offices, uh, saying this is how many people are in a space at this time, mm -hmm. right? Um, and and if it goes over a certain threshold, we alert the business or maybe people on site to um, you know to other kind of like use cases where we're able to to say, hey, you know, if someone self-reports, um, you know, these are the people that may have been around. Not I should say these are not the people, but these are the devices that were in that area in in time and space. So there's a lot you can do simply with the access points that are already there, a ton. That's the first bucket. The second bucket is around IoT services. So we call it indoor IoT services. And, and this is 
and we may get into this kind of in the future, but this is essentially creating a framework where any device that is in this framework and in the ecosystem can enable any application, right? So you may have a device, let's say from contact.io that measures, measures temperature. Now in the old world, I'm sorry. So, so let me just say this. In the old world, you would have some proprietary technology stack, like this device talks to this gateway, talks to this application, right? And if you're, you know, if you're IT or you're the line of business, if you want to do asset tracking, I have to buy this stack. And then next month I want to do occupancy, I got to buy this stack, right? And then as you add outcomes, you got to buy more and more stacks. So what we're doing in IoT services is we're saying, look, you have a layer that's devices. Okay, you have a layer that's middleware. You have a layer that's applications. So going back to contact, let's say we have a contact IO beacon, it measures temperature, um, let's say it may measure humidity, right? Any application can use this device, right? And in the middleware, we do that kind of uh, connection between the app and the device. We have like security and privacy kind of frameworks. We can manage multiple types of vendors here so, so that's the second category is around enabling this many-to-many -many architecture, you know, creating uh, a, a solution that's lower total cost of ownership, easier to deploy, easier to scale, monitored, et cetera, et cetera. All right, so that's the second piece around IoT services. And then that third piece is around onboarding. So we call it next generation onboarding. Um, you know, there, we've, we've had a great like world-class class captive portal the best captive portal out there. And, you know, you go to a hotel, how do you get on? You get on through the captive portal. So this is the thing. So I, so we go to connect to the Wi-Fi, and uh, before we get onto the Wi-Fi, a, a page pops up and that's yeah. coming from Cisco DNA spaces. Yeah, like us, yeah. Just real quick. So we're doing other things around uh, making it easier to connect to the, to, the, uh, to the network, right? So we have something called open roaming. It's a new standard so that users can automatically on, onboard into a network. We work with carriers um, so that you go from cellular to Wi-Fi. Um, and then we have an SDK that you can put in an application. So, you know, if let's say you're, um, you're a retail brand and you have an app that your customers are using. When they walk into the store, you automatically get on the network. So those are kind of the three, three buckets of, uh, of value or, you know, the, that first category. Um, any questions there, Steve? I know I was not concise. I apologize. No, it was uh, informative. I, I, I want to just understand or clarify. So this is optional, right? Um, uh, but it does cost something. Uh, what, what are we talking here? Uh, obviously, your customers range from uh, uh, like we're about to expand our offices in San Diego. And I'm thinking, ah, this is uh, we should look at this because we need to start putting some structure in place. But uh, Williot's still a startup. Um, is this something that's affordable for a startup, or is it only for very large enterprises? I mean, it runs the it runs the range. Um, so, uh, is it affordable? I would say yes. I think there's a ton of value that we're delivering, right? Um, and it really depends on the use cases that you're looking at. So if Willett wants to do like some space occupancy use cases, if they want to do, I mean, you all have expensive lab equipment, I'm sure, some asset tracking, you know, 
it really depends on what you're trying to achieve um, and the ROI, right, of that um, and coming back down to uh, how much you're going to pay. And we do have like bundles, you know, we have different types of pricing and, and all that stuff. So we usually get to a good spot with customers. Yeah. And, and how, is it, how is it structured? So I'm not going to ask you for an absolute amount, but is there like a, a horizontal bit and then optional modules? Tell us a bit about yeah. that packaging. So we have, we have three tiers of, or three different subscriptions. Uh, so we have something called C. Uh, C is, you know, this is the, the, a tier. It's usually the least expensive or it is the least expensive. Um, it's included in most of our bundles. Uh, this gives you insights into how people are, are moving within the space, right? A lot of the insights that you can glean from wireless. Um, we have uh, something called detect and locate that helps with like identifying where things are. Um, open roaming is including that and a few other things. Uh, the second kind of the tier in this, uh, the subscriptions is extend. So we have, uh, you know, we deal with partners a little bit differently than other folks in the industry. Um, we have some, our partner framework has different elements like uh, we have something called a Firehose API. So it's a streaming API. Um, it's really built for IoT and a, a ton of events coming through it. Like it's built for scale, like literally. Um, and you can get wireless events, you know, uh, temperature events, occupancy events, a bunch of different stuff in the same Firehose. Um, we monitor partner applications and the data stream. So, you know, generally, I think what happens is, uh, a partner gets an API and then everybody kind of walks away and say, like, okay, the job is done, right? Like for DNA spaces and we can talk about partnership and like how I think our team's super passionate about it, but you know, we want to help support the entire use case. And, and that means that, you know, we kind of, we are able to see that data flow from the customer premise all the way to the partner app. We monitor the partner application. That's something we work out with partners. So we know if it's working, if it's not working. And then we're able to actually notify customers if something goes down, we're proactive about it. We triage with the partner. So it becomes a combined effort to support you know, use cases. But anyway, access to kind of the Firehose API, uh, the partner ecosystem, it sits in that extend tier. And then the third one is called ACT. And this is where we're helping deliver outcomes uh, you know, to customers, either with native DNA spaces applications, um, through IOT. Um, and so there's, there's a ton that sits in act all the way from some of the onboarding things I mentioned, um, to asset location, uh, to all of this kind of awesome IOT ecosystem we're building up. So you mentioned native apps and you've talked about partners. I think that's why, where some of the biggest questions are likely to be from our uh, uh, listeners and, and viewers. A lot of them work for startups and uh, larger companies that are in this space and I think some of them may be a little scared when they hear that you are offering a lot of things that sound like the things that they offer too. Are you competing with these startups or or not I, I look you asked me i'm i'm gonna tell you absolutely not so here's steve we talked about this before so you're i think you're smiling because you know i'm about to get on my soapbox so let me just like put this out here i think the first thing is is that this iot and location services market like relative to what it can be i think it's a small pie right and how I see my job 
and like the the team I work on, right? And DNA spaces, it's, it's way more than just me. Like all the success is attributed to others, and I'm a minor part of that. I want that to be very clear. Well, and just Great what is your role? What, t- tell us a little bit, of, <laughs> just briefly. Yeah, You're so, doffing your hat to so, other people, but let's figure yeah. out what, where you fit in. Yeah, so so I'm product manager. Um, I have a few folks on my team, and what we're primarily responsible is the partner ecosystem. So our application partners, consumers of data, delivering use cases, uh, our IoT device marketplace, essentially generators of the data, right? Um, and then also IoT services as it sits inside kind of the DNA Spaces platform. I also work on other projects in terms of like uh, what's new on the roadmap, like what's coming up, helping execute on these to get it to invalidate the concepts, right? To get them to market readiness. Uh, and, and I do a few other things. Yeah. That's my role in a nutshell. Very good. Thank you. So back to uh, my provocative question, is uh, Cisco declaring war on the all the partners in this space? <laughs> and you claim no. no. <laughs> and <laughs> I believe you. <laughs> okay, good. All right. So I, I think, okay, so the pie can be much bigger. Like, I think no one's going to disagree with that. So let's come back to the question of why is it a small pie? Here's our thesis. It's a small pie because location services, IoT services, it's a hard problem, right? It's tough to scale it, okay? Um, and, it, and for our partners, it's tough to support it. This has been kind of repeatedly told to me different versions over the past two and a half years, two years. So what we wanna do is spaces. We want it to make it easier for our partners to play in in the market, right? You want to reduce support costs, reduce COGS, more access to customers, you know, a better customer experience, all these different things. So, and in, in if I'm measured on one thing from my boss, it's the success of our partners, right? Like Lucas, how are our partners doing? I mean, I hear that every, every week, right? So anyway, so coming back, so do we compete? No, we, we do believe that this is not a zero sum game. The pie will grow, and we see it as our mission to enable partners, both on the application side and on the device side, to be successful. Now, will there be like, will we negotiate? Will we talk? Will we find common ground? Of course, right? I, I think that um, you have a ton of companies out there who have been in this space for a very long time, and they, you know, they kind of play in the same space that we do. Now, to be honest especially in the IoT side, like being the middleware is a huge pain for people. I mean, mm-hmm. this is what, again, I've heard this quite a, like nobody, like the margins on gateways are small. You know, there's services around cable pools. It's expensive. It's hard to scale. Like there's a ton of problems there. And that's the beauty of Cisco being in this space is like our infrastructure is already in place. You don't have to do any cable pools, right? You don't have to do any of that. We are, we're already there. And so we naturally fit in. Um, So, yeah. So, I mean, in my mind, you know, we want partners absolutely to be successful and we'll work with you every day to do that. Um, On the application side, or sorry, Steve, I'm keeping, I keep talking. I'll I'll pause. No, that's great. Uh, So I, I, so your central said a lot of things, but one of the key things that I absolutely support and agree with is 
IoT as a category has really underperformed and we shouldn't be thinking about market share. We should be asking ourselves, why is this market, which is about connecting everything in the digital world with everything in the physical world, you know, it should be ginormous and it's really pretty small. Uh, and I think you put your finger on the problem, which is infrastructure. Infrastructure is really hard. And fortunately, you guys have a massive market share. I don't know whether you're allowed to or know what the market share you have is between um, Catalyst and uh, Meraki, but it's pretty ginormous, isn't it? It's massive. It's massive, yeah. yeah. So if we can leverage that and ride that, we can scale faster. And that's the thing that everyone cares about, I, th I, I think. I agree. And, and we want to, we don't, you know, we talk about these proprietary stacks, like, look, we will have applications that do some things, but we're never going to go super deep in the vertical. Like we may have an app that shows you where this thing is on a map, right? But we're not going to create an app, let's say in healthcare that has, you know, uh, EHR integrations that meets JCO standards that, Look, there are other people out there that spend every day of their life trying to solve these problems for a specific user type. They are best positioned to solve the problem. We're best positioned to enable them. Mm -hmm. So uh, it's really clear how a, a device company like Contact.io fits in because you guys don't make those uh, little beacons that they make and they have some very specialized hardware that goes beyond what the access point uh, can do and uh, we we had uh, their chief revenue officer on it's actually the episode that's just gone out before this one um, and he certainly made a very good case for what you just described from his side of it um, the thing that's less clear to me is where the middleware uh, players fit in um, and I think you kind of, you made a very good case for the vertical uh, applications. Cisco's not going to have something that's uh, focused on, uh, I don't know, uh, drug trials or, uh, or uh, um, adherence uh, monitoring uh, or, or things like that. Um, how does a company like Pointer Labs fit in? Uh, because they're fairly horizontal, as I understand it, but you seem to have them on the platform as well. Yeah, and, and with Pointer, I mean, I think we have a, a great, I don't know if you've had like Ege on the, on the podcast, but we've we got a great relationship there too. So, you know, if we look at Pointer, for example, they, so let's, this is really where we can do some cool stuff. So with Pointer, what we're doing is, and, and not just Pointer, like we, we're beginning with Pointer, you know, but any navigation company has access to this. We've created a, uh, an API for, we, you know, a location anchor API essentially. And in this API, a customer, or I'm sorry, a partner can pull in, you know, location of the beacon, UUID, major minor, uh, transmission levels, and some other things. So we can work with a company like Pointer, right? And we can reduce the amount of services that they have to set a customer up because we can programmatically get them that information, which they may typically have to send somebody on site to do right around the fingerprinting. So, you know, this is, this is, I think a great example of where we worked with the company and we were able to kind of figure out how to add value to them kind of through the middleware. Very good. Um, and how do 
what about discovery of um, those uh, applications that are sitting on your platform? Uh, do you see yourselves as an app store? How do I uh, figure out whether um, a given partner works um, uh, works with DNA spaces and what's what does that relationship look like? Yeah, great question. So we do have an app. We, it's a DNA Spaces app center. Um, you can go through there and see the app. I think we have about 45 apps in there, maybe around 50. Um, we do have a product manager who's laser focused on like app partner success, making sure that they get in the app center, that they're successful after they're in there. Um, and it's a, it's a similar to any other app center you're going to see description screenshots. These are the use cases that the app partner does. And something that's also kind of cool about it is again, unlike other folks, other folks in the industry, um, you can actually activate the app directly through the cloud, right? So you don't have to get into an appliance. You don't have to send somebody on site. You know, it all happens. Click, click, click. The app is activated. Data sending. Very good. Um, okay. Another area for people that have, uh, Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Followed Cisco, which a lot of people have. How does all this relate to CMX? What was CMX and how, how does CMX relate to this? Great question. So just think of like, uh, so I mentioned the acquisition of July Systems. So when July Systems was acquired, they brought with it a ton of things, one of it being like a very mature, very robust location cloud. It had been around, I think, for maybe 10, 11 years, maybe maybe longer, right? One of the first uh, cloud services on AWS. So a ton of experience there. Now, CMX, on-premise, you know, appliance, piece of hardware, um, this capability was subsumed by DNA spaces. You can think about it that way. So DNA spaces is, is in, you can call it an evolution. So CMX is still part of the DNA spaces offering. Um, the majority of the capability and kind of the future is in DNA spaces kind of proper through what we call like a, the, the connector. Um, yeah, but CMX is still there and you and just think of spaces as uh, an evolution of that. Then, um... Well, first of all, an observation and then a final question about where DNA Spaces is going. Um, as, uh, as industry uh, observers, we kind of look at these things and it's clear that Cisco is not going away. It's one of the few companies you can say has got a very secure feature, future. 
Um, but I think whenever anyone from the outside looks at a new program like this, they have to decide, well, is this, you know, how long is this going to be around for? And even though Cisco is not going to disappear, maybe CMX spaces might. But I, I was convinced that this is here to stay when I spoke to one of your sales guys, because I got a very clear impression that this is strategically important and actually your sales force is comped on it. So the, there's a lot of things that Cisco sells that, that uh, maybe uh, are kind of seen as more discretionary in your sales team's portfolio, but it seems like uh, there's a, a major emphasis on that. So I'm, I'm interested in um, anything you want to say to amplify that in terms of uh, the future of uh, DNA spaces and, and you know what we should look for in terms of where it's where it's headed. Yeah, that's great. Thanks. Thanks for the opportunity. So, you know, one thing that we want to do is increase the um, we, we want to be able to, you know, first and foremost, like our core competency location services, continue that, continue to enhance that. Uh, recently, the IoT services portion, right, to continue to from a, like a device side, expand that ecosystem, expand our partner ecosystem. These are all very important things to us. Um, we are also, you know, starting to expand the, the technology uh, from an IoT perspective and, and the different sources of data. So for instance, uh, depending on when this podcast drops, uh, in May, we'll be releasing a gateway for the switch. So that will now be able to uh, work with wired POE devices, uh, other kind of wired IoT sensors, even like video. Uh, so we'll bring that functionality into spaces and then, you know, I would look for next next fiscal year or, you know, the second half of this calendar year uh, for us to be continue to doing more in the IoT space, right? Uh, more different types of technologies, uh, uh, different use cases that we'll meet. Um, and, and all this is a partnership with device vendors, with application partners, right? It's not just, it's not just us. We, you know, we work with the ecosystem to make it better. Right. And so Very good. And we're here to stay. Okay, Steve. So we're, we'll be around. I believe that. And I'm sure you'll have lots of interesting partners joining the, uh, the program. And it sounds like there's some pretty cool functionality as well. Lucas, thanks very much for spending time with us. I have really enjoyed the conversation. Uh, I hope that uh, people will continue to listen. We took some time out one-on-one -on -one to uh, talk a bit about uh, your background and how you got to where you get to got to. So, uh, uh, Lucas, thanks again. Thanks so much, Steve. Thank you. And thank you, uh, all of the viewers, listeners, subscribers. We really appreciate it. Please do. Uh, uh, tell your friends, uh, rank us on your favorite uh, source of discovering uh, podcasts. I want to thank Nelson Hernandez, who edits this show, Jesse Hazelrig, who is our producer. And I also want to thank Starbucks, who are not a sponsor, but uh, they uh, do provide a job for my son, who's uh, on the on the spectrum. He's uh, 21 years old. And uh, before Starbucks came along, he didn't have a job. And now he just loves working at Starbucks. So I'm going to say thank you to Starbucks. Thanks again to all of you for, for tuning in. I'd love to hear about three songs that are meaningful to you. As opposed to forget the Mars thing. We used to ask people about the trip to Mars. Um, 
Um, so you can either disregard that change of context or, or, or consider it. But um, let's start our discussion off with t uh, talking about music. Lucas, what, what three songs are meaningful to you? The, yeah, that, great question, Steve. Uh, okay, the first one is the, the General by Dispatch. So uh, when I was in, so I went to West Point, and when I was in college there, <clears throat> one of uh, one of my colleagues, uh, you know, a fellow cadet, had had passed away at the end of a, I think it was at the end of like a marathon or a really long run, um, right at the end of it. And you know, we so we got in the bus, we went to the funeral. I'm sorry, you know, again, I apologize to make this sad, but. Um, he, you know, during the funeral, they played that song and that's just like, that's just the song that, you know, and I was in the military and, you know, it really resonates and it has meaning and even like the message, I, you know, kind of resonates with me bringing it back to like, what's important in life almost, you know, and, and how you, and I'm not saying like the band dispatch is like a, a leadership, like a thought leader and leadership and management, but just kind of like, even in the, the lyrics a little bit, uh, you know, the selflessness and, and that attitude. So that's one song to, to, that's long a on fantastic that choice. Fantastic choice. Thank you for that. Yeah. Uh, let's see. The second one is float on by modest mouse. Uh, so this is another one that helps me put stuff in perspective. And I don't know, sometime again, during, I guess college was a really formative time in my life where you just put that, that song on and you can just, again, come back to kind of what's clear and what's important. And, and honestly, even, you know, I deployed to Iraq, Afghanistan, uh, obviously been in stressful situations since then. And that's just always something that you put on and you kind of like, it's, it's okay. Like there's other things, you know, there's other things in life, uh, yeah, so that's that one. I, I have I, I've always thought that that military experience must be such an incredible foundation for people that are in working in high tech. Because I think you, you know working in high tech, everyone's running a million miles an hour. It, it's pretty stressful. But then I think because I work with a lot of people in Israel, where pretty much well everyone that I work with has been in the military, and I and, and you know when we're working in a time crunch or there's a lot of competing things. I think about that. And then I think about my colleagues who have literally driven tanks over landmines. And I think, wow, this is just nothing compared to that. This is just nothing. I think it, I think it's a great point. Uh, I think it's a good point, Steve. I think like there's two pieces to that, right? I think like item number one, it's, you can always be like, well, at least no one's shooting at me, right? Like, at least I'm not in Iraq or wherever you're, you're at, like check the box there, right? It could be worse. And, and 99.99% of the time, no one's gonna, there's gonna be no loss of life, no loss of limb, right? You may lose a bunch of money. You may lose, uh, a, you know, a customer may be unhappy, but you can recover. Everything's recoverable. Just the second piece here is like, and you're, you know, I know the business you're in, right? Where there's some things that you're doing that supports, um, it supports the livelihood of people. 
you know, and the same thing in spaces. Some of the use cases that we support, you know, like infant protection, for example, or uh, employee safety, like those are serious. So the other side of this is like you have a perspective on very serious things and you can bring that intensity and I think like rigor to these situations uh, and help uh, the word and articulate that to the people who may have not been in these situations before. Amazing. So uh, first two choices, Dan, what was the third one that you had in mind? So the third song, it's, uh, it's the Over the Rainbow, over, over the Rainbow. The artist, mm -hmm. he's a Hawaiian artist. Uh, I forget his name. Um, it, but so we played this song at my wedding with my wife, which we had in Hawaii. It's while I was stationed in Hawaii. It was, it was oh, terrific. And then, you know, we had it again. My, my dad and my father recently passed away. And, uh, you know, we also uh, played it then because he spent oh. a lot of time in Hawaii and he really enjoyed it. So. I think those are kind of three like super meaningful songs, uh, you know, otherwise I got a very eclectic taste. Uh, really? So I like pretty much everything. Yeah. I, I feel the same way. Uh, I, um, I probably have a bit of a shallow spot with regard to country music, but pretty much everything else, although I, I like Lyle Lovett and there's a few other uh, bluegrass things that are, I guess that's a, a, a relative of uh, country music. Excellent. So how did you get, well, first of all, how did you end up in the in the in the military? That's you were in there for a while, like six years or something like that. Um, how did you end up there? Yeah, so uh, this is just my personality. So it was junior senior year of high school. We had a recruiter from West Point come, and he kind of put everything out in front of me, and it was it was cool, right? And yeah, um, and and essentially. In my mind, it was, this is irrational, but it was like, this is the hardest thing I could do at the time. And that's just kind of my personality is I will generally, out of the options, one of the, the things I wait on is like the complexity, the challenge of it, right? And so that's why I ended up going to West Point in the first place. Um, and then, you know, being at West Point, uh, and just being with like kind of those caliber um, of individuals who had a similar kind of mindset and drive. I really enjoyed my time there. You know, obviously you made some great, you know, long lifelong relationships uh, and that kind of propelled me into the military um, for six years. And from, from West Point to Iraq to Cisco and, um, Cisco is obviously an incredibly important company, uh, a lot of uh, uh, power and position and pretty ubiquitous, dominates its segment. Um, and you're working on DNA spaces, which I think is, in itself is very important in this area that we focus on, which is the convergence of physical and digital. Um, I like to ask our guests how they got their job, because I think a lot of us who kind of observe the industry, you know, it's, 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 it's fascinating to understand how people got to where they got to. Um, how did you get from West Point to Iraq to uh, being this uh, key member of the DNA Spaces team? Yeah, I'll try to tell this as concisely as I can. 
but I think there's some kind of cool, cool parts of the story. Um, so in 2012, I transitioned out of the, the military, right? Uh, and I, uh, I, I got a role with Kaiser Permanente in San Francisco. Uh, in, in my younger mind, great location, you know, good salary, you know, aligns with my skill set. You know, fast forward, I go to San Francisco and, you know, the, the dollar doesn't go so far there. Uh, it goes even less far now. <laughs> so anyway, I, I worked in I worked in Kaiser for a couple of years, uh, learned quite a bit. Uh, and honestly, like a great team there that we worked with and we were doing really, I think, fantastic things. It was in clinical technology. Uh, from there, I went to the business school. So University of San Francisco uh, and really my my goal coming out of the business school that I thought was, you know, hey, um, go join a startup, do something that's small. Uh, fortuitously, uh, my, during that, you know, first and second year, uh, I had a friend that had gone to, he, we deployed together in Iraq. And I was like telling this story because it, it really kind of like brings to light the power of a network and, you know, who you know and, and why, it's, why all this stuff is important. And, and so, uh, you know, he had gone to Cisco to interview for an internship. He had gone to a few other companies as well. He ended up taking another offer and he said, Hey, Lucas, I have this, the hiring manager is asking me if I know anybody right now, about a week or two previous to that, I had gone, I'd listened to some speaker and the speaker, she said, you know, be able to tell people what you want to do. Like it can be a 60, 70%, 80% solution, but tell people how they can help you. And so that's, you know, I had that conversation with my buddy. It was like, this is what I want to do. So when the hiring manager asked him, do you know anybody? He's just like, I know the guy, right? Because I had been articulate about what I wanted to do. And by happen chance, you know, I went, I interviewed, I got the internship. Um, and then that kind of transferred into a full-time role at Cisco. Uh, in, in, in 2016, I started there, uh, and I, I started in a job rotation program. So it was for MBA grads coming out and wanting to be, you know, become a product manager. Uh, I started in a strategy role and, uh, and this is like, you know, X McKinsey, XBCG, Bain, strategy. And, and for me, that was super formative because I, uh, I wasn't great with slides. I have a lot of like execution experience and, and executing really good at that, but you know, hadn't had a lot of development around strategy and really the rigor associated with strategy. I mean, it's not just, you know, you know, the porters and it's not frameworks, it's actually getting in the weeds and doing hard work. And so I did that for about a year and a half. And then I went into a uh, position in enterprise routing where I worked on edge compute in uh, some of the virtualization. But just, to, I, I'm going to hit the pause button here because I'm interested in the strategy role. So it sounds like you joined a bunch of management consultants who are part of Cisco. What do, what are they doing in Cisco? Uh, what What's the role of that team? Yeah, so I, I mean, Cisco has, you know, in every function, super, super smart people, right? And I think that there's, you know, there is a, You'll probably find this in a lot of large companies. You'll have people who come from these backgrounds that can help, you know, uh, structure problems well, uh, help 
you know, research these problems well, help communicate them well uh, to, back to the business, right? And so that, you know, the business has a good understanding of, of the market, of opportunities, of uh, everything that comes with the strategy kind of role, right? So uh, it, was, uh, it, it was a great team. And, uh, you know, I don't know where everybody is today. It was a few years ago, but uh, it, was, it was really good. Very good. I interrupted you. How you, you went from there and what's the that last step? Okay. So the last step, and this is, again, it's like being clear with what you want, right? So in the program I was in every year, you rotate into a new job and, and you have a, an idea of what you want to do for your own growth and for the company, what interests you. And obviously like the company Cisco in this case has a set of positions. So going into my third year, you know, I had a very clear kind of idea of what I wanted to do. And it was, I want to do something where I can deliver value quickly, right? I can iterate quickly on customer feedback and get that back. Um, typically, you'll find this in products that are like cloud delivered, right? It's just the nature of the cloud. Um, and I wanted to do something new, something from zero to one. And I had this mentor and she's a friend as well, but you know, she, she helped out with the program. And I told her this and she's like, I know the perfect person for you. And so at the same time, Cisco was going through an acquisition with July systems and, and this team eventually kind of became DNA spaces. Mm-hmm. So the founder of July systems was just ready, you know, my mentor, she had a call with him that day or the day, the next day. And she said, Lucas, just take my slot. Just take my slot. You can talk to, to Rajesh. And, uh, and, uh, generous. Yeah, very generous. And so I, I spoke with him. We had a chat. And I think, like, you know, you know, he obviously I'm on the team today. So he liked it or he needed a warm body, one of the two. Um, and, and it's kind of fortuitous, right? And it's, and it was because I think part of it was, you know, you have a network. Um, Again, I, I don't come from a, a background. My, my, my uh, bachelor's degree is in philosophy. I have a philosophy bachelor's of science from West Point. I mean, come on. Like, uh, maybe not the best decision looking back, but I did it. But, but you know, I was kind of clear with what I wanted and people helped me. Uh, and this is kind of how I got into the role and just been moving forward and, you know, executing since. Yeah. So a couple of questions. I want to come back to the philosophy thing in a second. But uh, you mentioned you had a mentor. Is this part of a is, is that like a formal role uh, at Cisco? Or did you just decide that this person was going to be your mentor? What was the deal there? No, I so Cisco, I do believe they have a formal mentorship program. Mm-hmm. But in this case, you know, I had, like I had gone through some challenging times before uh just for my own self-development and this lady had she had helped me quite quite a bit uh and kind of during the course of that we developed a you know a a mentor mentee relationship and it just it just happened i think and uh it turned out well very good and this philosophy idea i noticed that in your bio and um i've actually met a few people in the technology business who've got that philosophy background and and i think it's very relevant i mean in technology we're dealing with a lot of 
abstract concepts. Uh, um, it requires uh, acuity of mind. And it seems like philosophy is the purest channel of study where you hone those mental skills. And at the end of the day, what we do is all about using your mind. So I, I don't see any contradiction at all uh, there. Um, uh, I, I'm just interested in how you feel like your uh, time studying philosophy has, has helped you or, or has it not? Maybe it's been, uh, was it maybe it was completely recreational? No, I, I, I mean, at the time, it wasn't recreational. I thought I would need it one day for a job. But uh, no, I'd say that I think clear thinking, right? So there's a few superpowers I think of and like clear structured thinking is one of them. And, and this really, you know, obviously in college and going through philosophy, there's a lot of logic. There's a lot of like, how do you construct an argument that's sound? You know, how do you use, there's a lot of this. It really kind of came to light whenever I went into that strategy role um, because you have to clearly think about the problems and structure those problems, you know, in an organized fashion. And then in the toughest thing, I think in technology sometimes, because you're right, we're dealing with like abstract concepts in very ambiguous situations. I think in our market, it's even a bit more ambiguous because while the technology has been here for a long time. I still think the market is fairly, you know, there's a, there's a long ways it can go. There's so much potential. So being able to take an ambiguous situation, sort that, structure it, clearly think about it, and then create like a plan to execute on it. I mean, that's, I'm not great at it, but I think that's something that, you know, is valuable as a skill set in whether the philosophy degree was part of it or, or not. I mean, it, it certainly, I, I don't know. It, it probably helped. I don't know. I'm guessing it did. Very good. Well, Lucas, thanks so much. I really enjoyed this, uh, this conversation. I appreciate it. Oh, thanks, Steve. So that was Lucas Hansen of Cisco DNA Spaces. I hope you feel briefed and a bit smarter about what one of the biggest players in our ecosystem is doing. If you found this useful, uh, if you found it enjoyable, then do let us know, post comments, rate us and tell your friends. Thanks so much for listening and see you next time. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. My business used to be weighed down by the complexities of in-person payments. Then tap to pay on iPhone and Stripe came along and changed everything. With tap to pay on iPhone and Stripe, I streamlined my payment process effortlessly. Now I can accept in-person contactless payments right from my iPhone. No extra hardware required. What's truly remarkable is how I can cater to all of my customers' payment preferences. Whether they're using cards, Apple Pay, or other digital wallets, tap to pay on iPhone and Stripe ensure a smooth checkout experience every time. 
And it's not just me. Stripe helps businesses of all sizes, from local markets to global retailers, scale quickly and stay agile. To learn how Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe can help grow your revenue and reach, visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone. 